Amen? Amen. 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 It breaks my heart to think that we could sell him as anything short of supernatural or incredible. And so we've been talking about faith. We did five or six weeks on faith. And now we're into our fourth or fifth week of family. And then we're going to transition into fun whenever God's done talking about family. But how many of you guys got family that you've ever quarreled with? Never. Ever. 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 Right. Have you ever fought with a sibling or a husband? I mean, not you because you're being the chuck. So what's, what's the fight about? <laughs> when, when blessings like that flow, Gene, you just kneel before and receive it all. Praise you, Jesus. <laughs> that might be a little deep even for Chuck. <laughs> might not be. <laughs> so the deal is, like, we're trying to get into family and understand what family means because we are the brothers and sisters of Christ adopted by God Almighty as sons and daughters into this eternal family. But do we act like it? Do we, act, do we act like we're family a lot of times? Right, like, has anybody been on facial, or, yeah, facial book? <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Facebook. That's old people talk. <laughs> oh, so, how many of you guys see posts from people that you don't talk to that often they just strike your heart as they're hurting, they're broken, but they won't come out and say something. It's like this cryptic talk, this backsided negative stuff, and how do we do this? Well, if we don't take what God is speaking to us as Christians, as followers, as brothers and sisters, then what are we what is our response gonna be? It's gonna be worldly, right? So we, we need to take everything that God tells us. Bible and our prayers and our time of meditation. We need to be renewed and transformed, all these great things, so that we can actually do something different. But I'll tell you what, some of these things kind of, they're not light flame about this high. Right? Y'all get, y'all get, like, feel that flame, like, right about there? It just kind of burns. And, right? Right? Like, I just want to explode on some of these people sometimes in the natural because one I can't I can't I don't have an answer for them and, and I'm a fixing guy so when I fix I, I like to fix stuff and if I can't fix it then what am I then I'm nothing now we're getting into my identity and it's like this whole skewed system because maybe because we're not being family maybe because we're not doing the things that we should be doing as Christians Right, like, are we really loving or are we just protecting our own little thing? Right, our friends, uh, whatever. Like, and then, and then these millennials and younger are being such a part of this cancel culture, where if somebody if somebody burns your bacon, what are you get to do? Why well, just ain't talking to you no more? Right? I, I would have thought once upon a day that you would actually have conversations. Right? Wasn't it was that a thing back in the day? Is there anybody older than me here that can answer that question? Used to be. Used to be, thank you. If they do that. Right? So you're texting, you're on book of faces, you're on 
one another? Where does it come from that it gets like that? Right? Like there's some kind of emotional and spiritual breakdown happening inside of us at a greater rate than, than the health and the healing coming from the Lord. And I think, I believe, that one, I've, I've told you guys this many times, that I honestly think that it's from a lot of guys like me. Pastors who aren't preaching the real word of God, pastors who are pandering to an audience who's threatening to leave, right? And so we soften up the blow so that you can go home and feel good about yourself. The sad part about that half a gospel, if that, is that you're going to die. And what happens when you don't actually know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, but you sat in church for 30 years? What happens? Where do you go if you don't have Jesus in your heart? Right? Can we, can we, can we be honest about it? We'll go to hell. There's heaven and there's hell. It's about choices. And we, again, back to that kingdom assignment, we have to get to the point where we are willing to share the real gospel, the truth, because it's not as abrasive as we might think, but it certainly is countercultural. But what is countercultural doing? It's like a rock tied to your leg, dragging you right down into the pits of hell. Right? And so we're called torn for that reason. Like, let's just stop all the sideshow, all the all the garbage. Let's stop. Let's stop lying to one another. Now let's start really realizing and recognizing that we need each other, that we need the Savior who's already been provided, given to us, and we need to take that for real. We need to understand that God, that Jesus Christ is real, and he makes a difference. The gospel message that was preached, that was taught for 2,000 years now, has a value, a kingdom value, and it's calling all of us. But we need to walk out in that love and grace of God. And so our families are polluted. All these things are just seem to be jacked up. And I, I know I've asked the question, but how many of you guys would take a look at the world and say, we are headed a great direction? Right, like, can I get an amen? 24 million babies aborted this year. Hey, no. What else is there? What else is there that's going on in this world? Sex and human trafficking, right? Absolutely, Craig, and that's a beautiful thing. The things that we read in the scriptures about the end times are coming true. We can see a lot of them, but nobody knows from the Father when that is. But here's the deal. If y'all ain't doing your assignment, then what about the person <coughs> you're assigned to preach the gospel to? What about you bringing the message of salvation to somebody that God has picked for you to be. What happens? So now, now we're not doing our job. The gospel's not being preached from the pulpit. It goes over to you guys because I haven't challenged you. I haven't given you the tools and the food and the things that you need to go and do what you need to do. So what do you do? Nothing. We're not even getting it right in our families. And that's, that's that's what we're kind of talking about. Families can be truly amazing, but it can also be not so amazing. Right? I think I've showed you the scar on my wrist there from one brother, and I can tell you countless stories about family loving each other. Right? I have eight siblings, so I can tell lots of stories about families. 
so we did a collective tally on how many family members and how many wonderful, loving, supportive stories we can tell. We'd be here for a while, but we want to get going home sometime. Sometime. So families can be amazing, but they can also be not so amazing. So we ended with this one last week. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with them. That, the, that they be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn, warn him as a brother. How well does that work? How well does that work inside the church when you see your brother screw it up and you call him to task? How well does it go? Almost as well as the fart deal. Isn't that the old joke? That went over like a fart in church? Yeah. <laughs> you never heard that one, Brenda? <laughs> She's from down south. Brenda, you know, one of the things that I love about you is got all them saved, so I figured for sure you'd know that one. I can tell a whole bunch more, but they're not appropriate for here. That's about the cleanest one I got. So, they don't go over real well. Right? It doesn't go over real well, and why, why is that? And these are some of the things that we're going to talk about today, I hope and pray, that, that we maybe get to the end of this evening and we have a greater understanding about what does it mean? What does it mean to be family? How do we do it better? Because, y'all, we got to do better. Period. And it starts with us, and it goes out into our concentric circles, right? Jesus is the center of everything. He's the center. We're in it. We go out. We have a sphere of influence. People that we talk to, people that we're around frequently, that's our sphere of influence. And God has anointed and ordained those relationships so that we can bring the truth to a hopeless nation. Right? Because doesn't it say to go forth to every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey the commands. Right? And we always forget that part with the evangelistic idea of just going forth and making disciples and baptizing. But what about the commands? How do we hold one another accountable? How do we have those conversations? I would argue that most times we don't. How many of you guys can have a conversation with people about subjects that take them off? Right, like you know this is one of those hot topics for them. How well does it go to have a conversation? Difficult, difficult at best, yeah. Fight ensues, struggles ensue. What's that from? Shame. It'd be shame, but, but even like the big picture, I want the Sunday school answer. Right. But Satan is real. Right? He's got an assignment for people to walk into. So what are we in agreement with? What are we walking out? What are we doing? Some people who don't know Jesus Christ and some people who do know Jesus Christ still get into that position. Due to belief systems, again, like we talked about early, that belief system about who they are and whose they are. Right? Because if you're jacked up in that, what are you going to do? Every time somebody comes at you, like I was saying, if I can't fix it, then I'm, then I'm stumbling over my own pride. I get like, why can't I fix that? You're stupid. No, you're stupid. No, you don't know. Right? You ever get into that? And you're like, what the heck just happened here? Yeah. This, 
thing. We were talking about who had a quarter for bubble gum. If you can even buy bubble gum for a quarter. Just something stupid is the point. That we can argue over anything. Virtually anything. I see people, good people, shouting over scripture. Where in the Bible does it tell you to do that? Right? What happened in the day when we could sit down with the Bible and we could help one another to discover what the Bible says? Those days seem to be gone because all of a sudden you're telling me I'm wrong. Now I'm stupid. Now I'm coming at you. Right? Don't tell me I'm stupid. And then they turn around and say, are you God? It's like, I didn't tell you you're stupid. Well, you told me I'm wrong. It's the same thing. Well, no. Not knowing something doesn't necessarily mean that you're stupid. It just means that you didn't know that. Right? So we're getting things jacked up, twisted, spun around in circles, and we're all walking backwards and upside down, trying to figure out why the world looks so weird. So we're gonna we're gonna try and try and have a conversation tonight about some things that might help. Okay, so let me pray and we'll start. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for, for this night. We thank you, Father God, for everyone here. Lord, we thank you that your spirit is here in this room. And I ask for your hedge protection around each and every one of us, that you would guard our hearts, guard our minds, guard our thoughts, that we would have that we would have the strength to take each captive hostage. Just grab them before they come out sideways and help us to just understand and listen. So, Father God, help me get out of the way as you speak through me. Lord, have your way in this place tonight. We love you. So Paul, Paul understood the dangers of, of discipline, the act of disassociation tempts one to look upon the offending person with disdain and contempt. So there's something that's, that's really wrong with this cancel culture. There's something really wrong when we can't have conversations. And Paul was talking about it here in this. He knew so he had to address the church and say, look, you're not talking about these people as your enemy. You're not, you're not shaking them out of anything. You're not sensing them to hell. But sometimes, sometimes we need to get a little distance, amen? amen. How many of you all wake up in the morning after the good spit-throwing fight and wish like happy to just gone to bed? Amen. If you've been married for a minute, you've probably had one of those. Uh, if you've been in a relationship, you've probably had one of those. But does that mean that you hate your spouse or, or the person you're with? Or, you know what I mean? Like, what are we doing? So, he's given us a warning. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Our lives are a living, moving, breathing picture that people are reading. Every action that we take, somebody's watching it. So what letter or story is your life writing? Amen? Like what, what is it that you're telling people by your actions, by your words, 
ever have somebody stop them before they did something really stupid like and then you get mad because well of course I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. Chuck? No. No. <laughs> How is it that somebody can try and help us from stopping ourselves from hurting ourselves and then we have the audacity to get mad at them because we're protecting ourselves from feeling stupid. Like just hearing it, doesn't that just sound ridiculous? But yet, when you think about what we do and how we oftentimes do things, we have to get real, right? So when I started out talking about pastors preaching the coward's gospel, and me being one of them, I have to fess up to my shortcomings. I have to fess up to my failings. I have to fess up. Because if I don't ever check myself where I'm at, I'm never going to get to where God's going to call me to be, right? I can grow contemptuous almost here, or just, like, I'm not leaving this spot ever. I'm good. And there's a lot of people who do that. So then does that mean that all those places, Romans 12, 2, when it tells you to be renewed and transformed, does that mean that those just stop? Oh, I'm good. Right? Like, got that one. Yeah. Right. Pride slips in so much. But what is pride? What is the pride that we're talking about? False humility? Yeah, it's, it's our way, seemingly, to protect ourselves because we have to. Because somewhere along the line, somewhere in our roots, we've been hurt and shamed and scorned. We've been beat up, kicked around, knocked around. And somehow we don't really receive the message of God about who we are. John 3.16 is great on Sunday morning, but I don't want to hear about it Tuesday afternoon when Jim at work torqued me off. Right? Like, hey, Jim, I don't want to hear, I thought you were a Christian. I am, but I'm about to be a Christian all up on this business. Right? And somehow that's okay. I listen to folks at work, and they're talking about being Christian, and man, but here's, here's the deal. Put me in a scary situation where I'm scared, truly scared. Something triggers me in a negative sense. Where do I go to? If I don't recognize my own failings, then what right do I have to recognize somebody else's? Right? Like, I need help with my stuff. I need you guys to help me to be better. I can't allow my pride to stop me where I'm at because I'm not done growing yet. But we get that false humility because it's like, man, I've been stretched and tugged and pulled so hard and so far. i got nothing left, and all I can say to you is praise Jesus because now you might be ready to receive the fullness and the glory of God. But if you're so full of yourself, what are you left with? How much room do you have in you for God? Right? So we got to make some space. And i tell you what, I'd love to get rid of all the old boat anchors. We talked about fear has no place in all the songs. Three of the songs talked about fear, my fear. Why say no more my fear? It's just fear. It's not mine. I don't own fear. It's never been assigned to me by my loving Father. I'm not going to own that. Great song. But it's not my fear. Right? So it's been something. It's been, a, it's been a, a familiar spirit that's been taunting me 
for a long time as I walked through life believing what I believe about me, and it started somewhere. And it's taking its place on something that's going on yet today. So John 3.16, what? You see what I'm saying? Like, all this stuff is great and it sounds pretty on Sunday or Saturday night when you're hearing it. It's great, but if it doesn't cause your feet to actually hit the streets in a different way, then you're the same you you were before John 3.16. we got to get to the point where we're starting to make a difference, where we're starting to allow God to make a difference in our lives so that we walk out differently. Well, like, ain't nobody got any business telling me who I am. That assignment's been given to my Father in Heaven. And you know what he calls me? He calls me Son, he calls me His Beloved, he calls me Student. Right? Like, we, we're tight. Right? So I have to look at some things. I have to look about, like, how we're communicating and the things we're doing. Oh, here's a big, here's a big treat for you. Pastor Fred can truly be amazing. <laughs> but, and there's a big but. You'll notice the but is bigger than it can truly be amazing, right? That's intentional. And you can ask my bride. You can ask Chuck. You might even ask Jim. We've shared some conversations. You can ask my elders. Uh, you can ask anybody who knows me. I've got nothing to hide because I'm a whip. I'm a work in progress. Amen? Like, that's, that's what I need, to, I need to be real with that. I need to know that I'm not perfect so that I, I can still open up to that transition. So, Pastor Fred can be truly, can truly be amazing, but he can also be not so amazing. For those of you who didn't know, I'm sorry uh, if you need to get tissue as you just absorb that and we can do that for you. I can definitely rub people the wrong way. No way. Right? I can fail you from time to time. Right? Yeah. Well, there's always that. Thanks, Robert. I can fail you a little bit more often than once in a while. The frequency in which I can disappoint you is alarming. What leads into that? What gets what what are some of the things that would have to happen in order for me to let you down? I think maybe we can kind of wrap it into two things. One of them is something I said I would do for you, and one of them is something you thought I would do for you. Right? How many of you guys have ever gone to taken a deer rifle and a blindfold and then played like Viking warrior games where you put the rifle down on the ground and you spin around at 360 like six or eight times blindfolded? Then you pick up the rifle, blindfolded, and you shoot. How many times do you think you hit the target? Whatever I decide. Pick one. When you miss it, I'll tell you you missed. And when I hit it, you won't. You won't. 
because I'm going to move the target, there's no way you're ever going to hit it. Plus, I'm, you're dizzy. Why? You don't get to tell me what to do. Does he? How so? How so? And how does that do when you're upset? You see, like, this whole thing is coming to, like, reality because we got to get to this point where we are real. Because if we're not real, then we're fake. And fake Christianity is not going to do any justice to the kingdom of God. It's not going to help our brothers and sisters out. Right? And it's certainly, we're all going to answer one day. Right, James? One day we will come and we will answer for what we've done and what we haven't done with the gifts and the blessings that were bestowed upon us. What do you think about that? And so what you've been doing? Yo, God, I've just been chilling, man. Right? Like, you remember the story about the talents. Come on. And the dude gave one guy ten, next guy five, the other guy one. The guy with ten takes his ten and he, he invests it into something. So when the farmer came back and said, hey, what'd you do? Man, I, I doubled. I doubled what you gave me. Here's twenty. What'd he say? Right? What happened with the dude who did five? Doubled it. What happened with those? Keep it. Old boy comes with the same one that he buried. Well, I've been keeping it safe for you. Was he happy or not? Not happy. Why is that? Why would we sit on one, on the thing that God gave us, and why would we not give that away? Why would we not take a chance to give it away and to try and invest in the kingdom of God. Why? Fear? What's that? Right, the one guy wanted to give it back, he wanted to make sure he had great intentions. He wanted to play it safe? Did he have faith or did he walk in fear? Fear. Fear. But I thought we just sang songs of fear is a liar. How many of you are sitting on your on your blessing? How many take in and take, 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 take? Go set it right underneath there. Go and brood right up on it. Brood. That thing's good. That thing's gonna hatch sometime. What do you think? What do you think, Deb? You think that thing's gonna hatch? What do you think, Ash? Egg going to hatch? Is the talent buried next to the tree going to grow? <laughs> well, the tree will, as long as God says so. So take that story and try and understand it conversationally in the world. Did the gentleman who gave them the ten, the five, and the one, did he lay out expectations? No. What I would like you to do is I would like you to invest that, and I would like you to invest that in something that you prayed to the Father about. And when I come back in six months to the day, I would like to see what happened with the investment. I want to see the way you invested that. Did he say that? Not even the one? 
the sheep over that. the man who was forgiven his debt and then went to his slave and didn't forgive the debt? How are we doing? Like, what's really going on in our world? Are we taking the time to explain what our expectations are of one another? Or do we just assume that somebody should get it? Like, if common sense really is dead and gone, then shouldn't somebody figure this out at some point and just stop assuming that there's common sense? Because if common sense was so common, then you would know that there is no common sense left, and you'd stop holding people to common sense, and you would start explaining and expressing what 
your desires and expectations are. Because somebody cannot hit a target that I keep moving. That I'm not doing that. Alright, everybody, we're going to take about a 35-minute break. And I want you to go out in the portage and I want you to find the route. Ready, go. Just go find the rock. I will tell you if you are right or if you are wrong. And if you are wrong, expect to be chastised. Expect to be humbled. Ready, go. So how are we doing? Romans 3, 18 through 20, and I kind of paraphrase this quick. If you can't tell me what you expect, I can't do it. And I just want you to keep that in mind. Right? Now it happened that as he was praying along, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old is risen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter, Peter answered him, Christ of God. So if Peter got it, why did the Pharisees not get it? Why are there so many people that didn't get it? What's that? Some probably thought they were about God, and certainly there was. And the story of the Pharisees is a great one. I think they get a really bad rap. But what were they looking for? What did they have? They, they had expectations about Christ, and they had drawn up, they protected him for thousands of years about who this Christ was going to be and what he would look like, how he looked. And then when he came, did he match it or did he not to them? Right. They were so wrapped up in their own expectations and misunderstandings that they didn't quite grasp what's going on. So what did they do? Right. They hung on the cross. They, they carried their religious thoughts. And this is where I really think they got a bad rap. Because we know that it was prophesied that this would happen. But yet I think that in many cases... Maybe I'm just being emotional, because uh, I do that sometimes. I'm just totally emotional and sensitive. Uh, look, perhaps, perhaps they were so afraid of having what had happened so many times in the past happen again, that they protected without really even giving it a good look, without really taking time to understand the full message, the fullness to try and understand what that what it might look like. I mean um, so Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. And remember, if you can't tell me what you expect, I can't do it. So it says, but there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. Going into four, the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder the rod of his oppressor you have broken. Going on, for to us a child is born. 
His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. What would they be looking for? What would a prince look like? Does a prince look like you or I? When you think of a prince, what do you think of? Glory. What's that? Handsome. So just like, just like us. What else? Special clothes. Well dressed, special clothes, maybe what? A horse, well be a shield, a sword, this beautiful belt, this breastplate with the family crest on it. And then maybe an entourage of well-armored soldiers behind them. Well, perhaps, like we all have these ideas. So if you had that idea, and here comes Jesus Christos walking around, and he's got this white dress on, probably dirty, sandals, feet stanking, because he's out kicking it in the dust and the dirt. What's going on? What are you thinking? Like, that ain't no prince. That guy don't fit. So he didn't meet your what? your criteria, your expectations. He didn't need it for these guys. What happens when pastor comes trucking along, he got no shoes on, walking around, you needed him, but you didn't let him know, and he just cruised along, like doing his own thing, like, what's up, everything's good, and then you blow up on him, on both faces, for something he didn't even know what happened. Who's right? Who's wrong? Right? He sent me a cryptic message, not in my messenger, but on my, my timeline. And I don't check my Facebook for three, four, five, six, seven, twelve days. What's happening? What's happening with your expectations? Am I meeting them or am I missing them? Right. So who's right and who's wrong? Who's right and who's wrong? Who doesn't have my phone number? If we're in relationship with one another, maybe, perhaps maybe we can exchange phone numbers. We have so much control over what's going on in our lives these days, there's no reason that we're missing the mark in communication. Other than, sometimes somebody's busy doing something else and they don't get it. Right? So what right do I have to get mad? None. What's the reality of what's going on? I didn't get my expectations met, and I'm hurt, and I have no other outlet. Right? So if I'm a part of this cancel culture, and I'm just like, you're done. What have I done? Am I meeting the expectations of my this, per this other person? Right? Like, I'm cutting them off, I'm cutting you off, I'm cutting them off, they're cutting me off. All of a sudden, we're all cut off, we're all standing in our little corners because we ain't getting our needs met by somebody you didn't even know you had a need. But we're blowing up. Is that how Christ did it? What did he say to Judas? On the night in which he was betrayed, I talk about it a lot because it means so much to me. He called him friend. Go ahead and do what you came to do, friend. Jesus is setting it up. He's setting us up with a wealth of knowledge so that we can walk differently. 
not of the world, but of this supernatural strength that he came to give us. Right? He came to fulfill the laws, die and rest, but also he did that, and then he gave the Spirit for us to be empowered. How do you get the Holy Spirit in you? Isn't it like like the old days when you cracked crack the soda can and it had words in the bottom of it, if you got the right one? Or is it like McDonald's where you peel off the Monopoly and if you get it, if you get it right, like, like there's 437 pieces of the puzzle, so if I go to church twice in the weekend and I get two pieces and I put those in there, but what happens when I get doubles? Now i got to do 438 times. Okay, burn it. This stinks. It's not what I expect. Or is there something else? Is there another way that we get the Spirit? Submit. To what? Well, what does it say? Does, does the Word tell us that by, by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we receive His righteousness, we receive His Spirit in us? Right? So something in us changes. But this again goes back to preachers not preaching the real gospel because if you don't know the authority that you have in you, you're going to keep operating from an old belief system. And all that old belief system wants to do is kill you. Right? It doesn't want you to live. It doesn't want you to thrive. It doesn't want you to answer the call of God. It wants you to do as we always did. So now we get this thing where people aren't meeting our expectations and we get to be mad. We are Christians... Now, we're not having conversations with one another. I'm so daggered mad, I ain't got time to talk to you. How about I take your head off? Oh, yeah, because I think that's what Jesus died for. Right? Like, I, I don't know if I'm confused or what, but I, I really don't think I'm confused. I really think that the way that we live out the gospel is confusing. It's not what Jesus died on the cross for. And if it's not why he died on the cross, then what are we doing? If we are not living to fulfill what the gospel of Jesus Christ has called us to, then why did Jesus die on the cross? Did he actually have to die for anything that we're doing? I got my salvation. I got my ticket, baby. I'm good. I don't have to worry about the 13 people that I can help along the way that need to go to the same place I'm going. You see, I can walk right by those loans. They didn't invest their money right. Bang. Your heart wasn't transformed. That's a huge piece. The hearts and our minds need to be transformed. We need to get back to the days of having conversations. Hatfields and McCoys have been fighting for how many years over a pig? Wouldn't it be easier to just talk about it? Man, I'll buy you a new pig. I'm sorry. Like, we can look at this thing and say, well, that's 157 years they've been fighting or whatever it is and say, gosh, they're stupid. But how many people in your lifetime since you've given your life to Christ, have you canceled? Some of them for good. Right? The scripture said, 
But what are we doing? How are we walking it out? Are we treating them as they're an enemy? Or are we retreating and taking a safe distance back while we figure out, regroup, figure out how to deal with it, figure out how they get help, whatever. What are we doing? We can't just keep, we can't just keep beating people up. We can't just keep canceling people. We can't keep doing what we're doing. Did you know that you don't have to like everything about me? If you think that I'm going to be perfect in your eyes, every single time you move the target, I'm going to fail you. The chances of me ever being perfect or ever being perfectly good enough are slim to none. But am I demonstrating a humility to learn and to grow in Jesus Christ? Am I trying? Am I working? Am I submitting and surrendering to God? Or am I built up and puffed up on false humility? Right? So what expectations are you having of those around you? Not just me. I'll take the hit every time. I'll throw myself under the bus so that we can get an illustration of what we're doing. Who in your life is not acting perfectly and therefore must go? And I'm not saying that everybody's perfect, that you're supposed to hang out with everybody. I'm not saying that. Because there's some people that just rub me wrong, and until I get better, they're going to rub me wrong every single time. What's the difference between expectation and faith? Any ideas? Faith is infinite. That's easy for you to say. Okay, any other ideas? What's the difference between faith and expectation? I like that one. I like that one. And it's used a lot. So what I what I found one seems to be perceived but not necessarily spoken, while the other comes after the expectation is spoken. I feel like faith in someone performing a certain way must be spoken of. Right? Nobody has the ability without just sheer luck of meeting your expectations. Right? Jim's been a boss, was a boss for a couple of days, um, I think, four, four seven, something like that. Chuck used to manage people, um, was, a, was kind of a boss. He was a warrant officer that's kind of an officer. But, that's an Army joke, I know. If you were in the Army, you know it. But um, one of the things that you have to do, you train people up, you raise people up, and then you send them on a mission. Right? There's a clear expectation about what they're supposed to do when they get when they get to wherever they're going. So the end of the mission, how they're going to get back, what happens, what happens if that goes awry, where do you go, plan A, B, C, whatever it is, you have that in work, 
you know, this is what I'd like you to do when that line's full. I need you to go here, and then I need you to do this. And it's really clear. Sometimes you can forget the expectation. Anybody ever forget your job expectation or what's expected of you? So you're given five things in the morning, and by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, your dog's tired and forget one of them. Am I the only one that ever forgot anything? More the expectations. What what happens then? Do you get fired? Do you get fired or can you just be humble and say, you know, hey boss, I know you gave me five things. I completed four of them and I can't for the life of me remember the fifth. You probably have a good chuckle about it and he'll tell you the fifth. He or she will tell you the fifth. Right? But if you just say, well, you gave me too much. And you do this day in and day out. You get argumentative. You beat somebody up over it. How long does that last? Okay. Oh, you don't live in my head. <laughs> this is terrible out there for years. It's getting better, probably. It's getting much more good. I had a fight with myself the other day at work because I was bored. I was bored to tears, and I'm like, "This is stupid. I'm just gonna go. Ain't nobody gonna miss me, anyways. I, I got stuff to do at the house. I'm just gonna go." I wasn't meeting my expect my own expectations of a husband as somebody who's bringing some money into the household. What we're gonna do with that money? So I had to have the talk with myself. Hey, simmer down, big boy. So what if you're bored? We'll be do not. You're getting paid. They all know you're bored because the other 13 people right there are all bored too. That's your job right now is to be bored. So it, I, it does. But I have a hard time doing it. I had a friend of mine who worked kind of where you work, and she literally did nothing for six months. She would go on two and three walks every day. She would ask her supervisor, look. I haven't done anything for four months. Nothing. Just keep doing nothing. You're doing nothing perfect. Right? And I just couldn't, I can't do that. I keep talking to the supervisor. I'm like, look, you need to train me up on something. You, there's, there's somewhere a room needs to be pushed. Something somewhere needs to be done. And I need to be the one doing it. Because I ain't built for this standing around doing nothing. You might look at me and say, maybe I'm a little bit of a slower model. But really, in my head, in my head, I'm a fast-moving bogey. I'm out there getting stuff done. You know, right? I'm like, woohoo! Look at that cat go. You watch the tape back, and you're like, really? That's that's moving, right? So, so there's expectations that come in every part of life. How are we doing? How are we explaining our expectations? And how are we, how are we holding people up to the expectations? Right? So. If, if we talk about expectations, so I lay out all my expectations, and you've been a good employee, then I now have faith that you're going to carry that out, or we're going to have a conversation about it. We're going to build up a relationship built off of expectations, built off of faith, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. So I feel like faith, faith in someone performing a certain way must be spoken of. We have faith in God's word to be true. And of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. So expectations, strong beliefs, and 
something should or will happen in the future. From where? From what? Where do you get that? Where does it come from? Faith, belief and trust in God, or sincerity of intention. So if I tell you that I'm doing it, I have faith that you're going to do it, right? Is it right that I have an expectation that you will be representatives of Christ wherever you go in this world? And I walk in faith that you will and are doing that. So is it right, if I've done my job, and we've preached through the gospel, we've preached through the Bible, is it a fair expectation for me, if I don't say it, is it a fair expectation for me to believe that you would be walking as an upright Christian in all of your affairs? But does, not, but does not the word tell us something of it? Right. I mean, I get it. We're called torn. We're called torn because we're always torn between the walk with our walk in the world and our walk with the Lord. I believe that wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. But I would like to think and believe that if the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit is sinking that our hearts and our minds would be renewed, that means make new again, into the likeness and the character of Christ. Division of judgment, meaning? Okay. So if you have two different opposing ideas, hit the middle. Luther was a madman. 
He, he loved the Lord. He had some things and some struggles, but what does this mean to you? And I'm not saying that Martin Luther is God. I'm not saying that his that his word is is holy or sacred. What I'm saying is that Martin Luther is paraphrasing some some things that he's noticed in the scriptures. Are we able or willing to do things just to do the good things or to do the right thing? Or do we always have to have reward for everything that we do? Right, like right now, if you've been on Book of Faces, you see the reels. And what happens on the reels? What's happening on the reels? Like everybody's like, hey, here's a hundred dollars. Snapping photos, getting videos. Everybody thinks they're a great person. Is that good or bad? Good or bad? I see, I see lots of churches who talk about how good they did and what they've given away. Is that bad? But why did you change on that? Let, 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 me, let me pick this one apart a little bit. Because I think that we can all learn and grow something from it. You were pretty confident at first emotionally. You felt like you knew, and then as soon as I challenged you, you immediately went to uh, the middle of the road. Like, I'm just, I'm just backing off of this one. See, now we all need to get to that point where we're solid in our faith, we're solid in how God is calling us to be, so that we don't have to. And trust me, the reason that it was such a good illustration a great portion were probably thinking along the same lines as we did this week. I'm proud of you for speaking up. I'm proud of you for engaging in the conversation because it's absolutely the truth. We get to those places like, so if we're doing all things to the glory of God, praise God, or how about the one finger up after every three pointers? Right? Is that really giving God the glory? I don't know. What if I didn't know? What's that? It's about your heart. You keep bringing that one up, sir. It's like you spend time with the pastor or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have that
one another to where we actually share expectations, to where false pride and false humility are not the dictators of our day, right? Because you know that if you're walking in false humility, if you pretend like you don't need any help, you pretend like it doesn't bother you that you didn't get any help, that nobody talked to you, you know that's coming out somewhere, right? That's just, that's just common sense, right? What is false humility? False humility would be, um, yeah, you could laugh at something that wasn't funny. You could, um, you could refuse or um, just not receive. Like, no, I'm all good. I'm all good. Um, because what do we actually need, right? Like, so a year ago. Almost, well, a year ago, October 4th, I flipped backwards down my steps, ran backwards, smashed my head into the wall, shoulder and neck through the door, got hit by the dresser, thrown from the third step through the wall into the chimney, ripped my hamstring off and decimated my knee, and I laid there on the floor, and I called my, my wife of a month, and I told her what happened, she's like, just just lay there, I'm, I'm literally minutes away. Can you guess what I did? I got up, I walked to the doctor's, or walked to the truck, got in the truck, I couldn't hardly get in the truck, it hurt so bad. I got up in the truck, I drove home, and I'm like, gosh, this hurts so bad. And I'm just like writhing in pain and about to cry. And I get home and my wife's like, you should go to the doctor. I'm like, no, we'll just rest for a couple of days. It'll get better. <laughs> what is that called in reality? I have a couple of problems, mental things, <laughs> understanding. 
understanding that I'm now, I, I struggle. And Jerry says I'm not 20, but you can't tell my brain that. I'm still young and dumb. Still. Still. Absolutely. I walked around for two months doing whatever I could with my hamstring ripped off my hip.